This message you're about to listen to was recorded live at the Redeemed Christian Church of God, the Throne Room Parish, Transcorp Hilton, Abuja. Be blessed as you listen. The Father of all spirit, the God of heaven and earth, the one that was not democratically elected and cannot be democratically removed, the one that is enthroned upon the circles of the earth. And every one of us, we are like a drop of water in a bucket. The Almighty Father. The one that uses the basket to disgrace the bucket. The one who is fearful. The one who is terrible. Lord, we salute your presence. We ask that today, Lord, speak to us. As your word goes forth, Lord, let there be understanding. Let healings flow. That it touch our lives like never before. And let your name be glorified. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Shake hands with your neighbors and say, neighbor, good morning. I know the Lord will meet with you today. But he will meet with me first. Hallelujah. Esther chapter 1. The book of Esther chapter 1. I want to appreciate God for the opportunity to be here to worship with you today. I want to thank God in the life of our pastor, his assistant, and all the ministers of God doing great work in this house. And every one of you, because I know that from glory to glory you will go in the name of Jesus. Esther chapter 1, let's read from verse 8. And the drinking was according to the law. None did compel, for so the king had appointed to all the officers of his house that they should do according to every man's pleasure. Also, Vashti the queen made a feast for the women in the royal house, which belonged to King Ahasuerus. On the seventh day, when the heart of the king was merry with wine, he commanded Mehuman, Bitza, Habona, Bigtha, and Abakta, Zetha, and Karkas, the seven chamberlains that served in the presence of Ahasuerus the king, to bring Vashti the queen before the king with the crown royal to show the people and the princes her beauty, for she was fair to look on. But the queen Vashti refused to come at the king's commandment by his chamberlains. Therefore was the king very wrath. And his anger burned in him. Can we just take a leap to verse 15? What shall we do unto the Queen Vashti according to law? Because she had not performed the commandments of the King Ahasuerus by the Chamberlains. And Memukan answered before the king and the princess. Vashti the queen had not done wrong to the king only but also to all the princes and to all the people that are in all the provinces of the king Ahasuerus. For this deed of the queen shall come abroad unto all women, so that they shall despise their husbands in their eyes when it shall be reported. The king Ahasuerus commanded Vashti the queen to be brought in before him, but she came not. Likewise shall the ladies of Persia and Media say this day unto all the king's princes, which have heard of the deed of the queen. Thus shall there arise too much contempt and wrath 
If it please the king, let there go a royal commandment from him, and let it be written among the laws of the Persians and Medes that be not altered, that Vashti come no more before King Ahasuerus, and let the king give a royal estate unto another that is better than she. And when the king's decree which he shall make shall be published throughout all the empire, for it is great, all the wives shall give to their husbands honor, both to great and small. And the same pleased the king and the princess. And the king did according to the word of Memoka. May the Lord bless the reading of his word in Jesus' name. Pleasing your king is what I want us to look into briefly this morning. Pleasing your king. The Bible tells us that Vashti was very fair to look upon. And yet, he said, take the estate away from her and give it to somebody that is better than her. That tells me that somehow what defines beauty is more than look. What tells how more someone is appreciated in a place is more than what the person has just brought forth. This was a story that I believe that many of us know. A king put up a celebration. His wife was also taking care of the wives or maybe her friends and all that. And there came a time, you know, after the king had passed some shots of wine into his system, I guess he was charged. And he suddenly remembered, wow, my wife is beautiful. Please tell her to come and parade her beauty before everyone. When you look at that story, if you think deeply, you almost want to say, but for what? What was the king, I mean, the, the queen looking for? She's married already. Why would she alone, you know, if it was to be a beauty competition, there would be many. But why would she alone just come out, you know, and show some swag as it were? But the point is that that was what pleased the king. And if the queen could not do what pleased the king, she would cease from being the queen. And you know the story. When all the advisors heard about it, they said, King, we can't allow this to go. Because if all women in the land had what the queen did to the king and nobody said anything, every woman becomes a terror in their homes. And just to make, you know, a scapegoat, Vashti was deposed. Before I move further, let me say something that my, you know, broaden our insight into this scripture. For years, I used to think that when this decree was given, Vashti was sent packing from the palace. Until it came to my understanding that her address was just changed. And nothing is as terrible as that. She was confined to a certain quarters right inside the estate. 
So when the king and Esther would be taking a walk, she could pull, you know, I mean the curtain and see. And she would say, alas, I should have been the one walking with the king. If she had been sent far, it would have been better. If the king has decided to send her to Abuja, maybe that would have been good. It would have been far from where she is. But every day she could see somebody playing a role. And nothing is as painful as that. I don't know who you are. I stand on this altar of grace and I decree concerning your life. Your place will not be declared vacant. In the mighty name of Jesus. When the purpose of a thing is not known, they say the abuse is inevitable. When the purpose of a life, an office, a position, a relationship, when it's not known, then you will see that the value will gradually be lost. Samson was a young man that didn't fulfill his purpose. He was such a man that carried a very unusual anointing. I checked the Bible cover to cover. No single person carried the anointing that Samson carried. It was a huge one. Someone who had angels, you know, announced his birth. And not only that, he was moving in the full strength. Do you know all through the time in the land of Israel, there was, you know, soldiers. There was an army. But during the time of Samson, there was a soldier. Just him alone was enough for the enemies. But he didn't know or he didn't come to fulfill the purpose wherewith God made him. Each time he shows his strength. He was not pleasing the king. And there was a phrase that dotted the book of Judges chapter 13 to 16. You will keep seeing the Bible saying it again and again. And Samson saw. And Samson saw. Watch out. The next thing you will see. A woman. A prostitute. A girl, each time the Bible says, and something saw, the next thing is not going to be the word of God, it's not going to be the temple, it's not going to be, you know, something else. And something saw a woman. And the next word will be, and he went in unto her. No wonder when the enemies captured him, the first thing they do was to do what? They removed his eyes. Because the Bible says, he said, the eyes, I mean, the child that does not listen to the instruction of the father or hear that of the mother is the evil birds. eat their eyes. When you check the last verse in Judges chapter 13, Judges 13 verse 25 says that the spirit of God began to move something between the valley of Eshtahol and Zorah. When you read the last verse, even in chapter 16, that is 16 verse 20, it says, and Samson was buried by his brethren in the middle of, I mean, the valley of Eshtahol and Zorah. Since, I mean, Samson did not please the king, he ended his life when he was about to start. Where he started was where he ended. I pray for you. Every plan from the pit of hell to cut your future short, to make life, you know, 
meaningless. I pray that the Lord rise against them in the name of Jesus. Another person was Judas who refused to fulfill the reason of being chosen. He also ended when he was about to start. Why is this very important? Because God made all things for his player. The Bible tells us in the book of Revelation. He said, thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive all glory, honor, and power. For thou art created all things and they were made for your pleasure. God made all things for his player. And interestingly, Proverbs 16.4. Proverbs 16.4 says that even God made the wicked for the day of destruction. That's his pleasure. He made the wicked for the day of destruction. At creation, you will see that when God made man, or when God started forming everything from the first day, the Bible would say, and he looked at it and he saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning, the next day. And the evening and the morning, the next day. When he formed, you know, the earth, he saw that it was good. When he made the sun and the moon and, the, you know, all the animals, he saw that it was good. When he looked at man, he said, this one is very good. I don't know if you can connect that with maybe you've just achieved something, you know, a feat in the office or even at times when your hunger is being met at home by your wife and, uh, you know, that food came at the right time, the right food, the right minute, the right proportion. You put your hand on your stomach and you said, that was a good meal. God looked at it and he said it was good because all was made for his player. But the Bible says, even the Lucifer that we call the devil today, God made him for his pleasure. He made him for his pleasure. Bible says that thou were the anointed cherub that covereth. He said you were perfect. Every instrument was in Lucifer. And that was why he was the closest, as it were, to God who sat on the throne. How do I know? The Bible never says that God dwells in the complaints of his people. God dwells in what? In the praises of his people. I've challenged people several times, even when you want to complain, do it through praise. Give him what he likes. That he has made you who he has made you, where you are today, you need to know that it is to fulfill his pleasure. The Bible says, until iniquities was found in him, Ezekiel chapter 28 from verse 11 to 19, Ezekiel 28, 11 to 19, until iniquity was found in Lucifer, that was when he was dethroned. That was when he was dethroned. Because somehow, God allowed him to be closer to him so that he can release worship. Because when God is worshipped, and hear this, worship goes beyond the song, you know. In fact, it goes beyond the slow song. There are times when you are insulted and you want to speak. 
and you just see that something bridles your mouth. And if it was you, the original you, before somebody speak once, you've answered four times. But this time you wanted to speak, but you felt a sense in the spirit that something, you know, restrained you from speaking. And you said, oh Lord, you know, that's a worship. I give it back to you, Lord, as a worship. I would have responded. But who am I? Several years ago, I was asked to coordinate a team of ministers. And, uh, you know, I'm talking about, um, that's about 12 years ago. And that time I was pretty young among the people I had to coordinate. So there was a time we had to do, you know, a program, an outdoor program, and some of the inspectors were to come around and see how it was going. So by the time we put everything they will ask us, you know, down, there was something I didn't remember to take care of. There was, you know, a piece of, you know, I mean, a piece of instruction that I didn't remember to type out. So when the inspector came and he said, oh, pastor, where is this thing? Oh, I said, sorry. Somebody much older, who I believe should be much wiser. You know, he looked at me and he looked at the inspector and he said, hey, don't mind him, sir. He's a beginner. I was his leader. Age notwithstanding. If you want to correct me, you don't do that, you know, outside there. But he wanted them to know that it's not his fault. When you made somebody as young as this to be our leader, he can't but forget at least one thing. So I wanted to react. You know, there is something in man that doesn't take shit. I know I'm talking to angels. It's not present in all of you. You let them know that my mom did not raise fools. And imagine I came from a place where you believe that you have an appropriate answer for every word. So I wanted to speak. I felt that restraint. I felt that restraint. And I was like, oh God. When I left that place, I was like, God, you didn't allow me to. And you know what God said? He said, you have worshipped me by your silence. He said, and I will ensure that in this organization, this person can never catch up with you. The rest is history. You see, for the sole reason that the devil knows that if you please God, you will be closer to him as Vashti was to be to Ahasuerus. That is why he will never want you in one way or the other to be close to the king. Everything he tries now and then is to ensure that we don't please the king. Because he knows that when you please the king, some certain things will happen. Number one, when you please the king, you will know divine secrets and you will have privileged information. Because someone you please will always have you beside him. He will want to talk to you. Believe me, honestly, while I was you know, putting this together, God said to me that yes... I'm talking between my relationship and that of my children. 
And if every woman and man in the house will take this piece of advice and appropriate it in their homes, there will be peace. There will be peace. You will have privileged information. Genesis 18, 17. Genesis 18, 17. After God heard in the house of Abraham what he was served that day, I don't know, but it, it, I, I, I suspect it might be bounded, yeah. You know, because after he heard, God said to Abraham, Abraham, come here. 21st year, I mean, 24 years of promise. I'm going to bring it to pass. It must have been a sumptuous meal. But as God wanted to go, I know somebody will ask me, do, do you mean that God had? I was not the one who said so. It's written in the Bible. How did I know it was God? I can give you at least two reasons. Number one, the Bible says that when the three angels appeared and they were coming to Abraham's house, Abraham ran towards them and he bowed down and he worshipped them and he was not stopped. If they were all angels, they would not allow Abraham to bow down. The Lord was there. And the Bible says again, as they were going, he said two of the angels proceeded to Sodom and Gomorrah. He said, but the Lord stood with Abraham. And he said, Abraham, shall I do something and not tell you? Wow. Brethren, people have walked with God. Can I do, you know, something and not tell you? If he didn't tell Abraham, he didn't owe Abraham anything. He is still Lord. If all of us will decide that we don't want to worship God anymore, God cannot be ruffled. That's why he didn't leave his praise in the hands of a human being. Do you know if they say praise is the food of God, most of us might have conspired one day and we will starve him to death. But that was why he has thousands upon thousands of 10,000 and 10,000 of angels who has no other job than they are saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, the whole heart is full of your glory. He has them all over so that in case men wants to go on strike, he will be sure that his food is, is, is well prepared. I think my God is a wonderful God. Put your hands together and celebrate him. He said, Abraham, I will tell you, the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah have reached me. I have come down. I want to go and verify. And Abraham started negotiation. You know how the story ended. Maybe you should have learned more, you know, of marketing skill. He, he, he tried, but he did a poor negotiation. He started from 50, and he took it to 10. That was big. But he didn't know the one he was speaking with is able to save Sodom and Gomorrah, even if there was one person. So Abraham quickly did some permutation and combination, and he said in his mind, I know that Lot is there. Lot must be righteous. The wife must be righteous. The two daughters must be righteous. All those two daughters, they are, you know, they are matured now. You know, their guys must be righteous. They're making six. And the parents of each of those girls must be righteous. That's making ten. God, if you see ten there, will you spare them? God said, I will. 
They didn't know it was (laughs) elimination by substitution. They were not enough. Number two, when you please the king, the king will do your bidding. Especially when he falls within his will. Bible says in Isaiah 45, 11, Isaiah 45, 11, thus saith the Holy One of Israel and his maker, acts of meat of things to come, and concerning my sons, and concerning the work of my hand, command ye me. When I have opportunity to speak, you know, to marriages, I've always said the best key to be in charge of your husband is to obey. You will take charge. Men are very easy to please. Very, very easy to take charge of that home. I've said to people before, someone raises his hand and he strikes you. If he does once and you didn't respond, you know there is something that propels when you respond. Somebody else also wants to add more. But you will discover that somehow because he pleased the king, because you would do the bidding of the king, you know, he will also answer to whatever you want. Do you know that when Esther came in and she named her terms so that our people can be delivered, the king quickly answered it. Why? Because he found somebody who was not only beautiful, but was respectful. Because Vashti was also beautiful, sir. But Esther added something else to it. Number three. When you are pleasing your king, the third thing is that you can easily report your enemies. In my journey of intercession and spiritual warfare, I discovered that it's, it's another skill to know how to report your enemies. It's a skill. Some people don't know how to do that. Can you cast your mind back when you were in elementary schools and two of you, you go before the teacher. You are actually the one who is in the right. The other person is is wrong, but the the person can talk. And as he starts, hello, you said, uh, you say, speak now, you say, uh, okay, God sees all of us. When you know how to. The Bible says that Esther wanted to report Mordecai. I mean, uh, Amen. Esther invited Amen for a feast. Wow. The cow that the people want to kill, they fought him first. Why did she do that? If Amen was not present at the banquet. And she reports. Somebody will call a man, and a man will run away. And that's the wisdom of the elders. Let your friends be close, but make your enemies closer. It brought him closer to the table. So the king said, my dear, tell me, who is that fellow that is after your life? He said, is he not this one? Nowhere to run. Is he not this man? And while the king was hungry, a man, And this woman is nice to you. She even invited you twice. That's an additional uh, offense now. (laughs) And the king, you know, stormed out in annoyance. There is something that is divinely orchestrated when the day of an evildoer comes. There is a divine arrangement. 
Esther did that and she went on the couch. She went to just rock and say, my enemy is finished today. A man went there and said, madam, please. Beg go God for me. The moment he moved close to Esther, he slipped and fell on Esther. Then the king entered. Ah, I say, ah, that I'm even here. You mean you can still do this? That was the end of the story. I pray everyone rearing ugly head against you, the Lord will tackle it on your behalf. So he makes the king to fight on your behalf. Number four is that you become a pride in the hand of the king. You become a pride in the hand of the king. And number five, your throne will be established forever. But you need to now know the other side. When I displease the king, what can happen? What can happen? Look at the way from the beginning of the, of the service, we have been worshipping the Lord that we can't see. And when you love the one you can't see, it becomes easier for you to love the one you can see. We have been pouring our love out to him. Why? Because if he had chosen not to wake you and I up this morning, our families would have been crying. Because the Bible says, what is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visited him. It's because he visits us daily. That's why we are alive. When you displease the king, what can happen? Number one, is that you lose your prime position and privileges. So you get replaced. One of the personalities that always marveled me was Judas Iscariot. You see, that's why you don't play games with God. It is good to always be bare before him. Bible says the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing to the asunder of the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow, is the discerner of the thought and the intents of the heart. For there is nothing that is hidden before the eyes of whom we all have to give account. When you come before the person who knows your in and out, you don't pretend. Can you imagine what Judas thought in his heart by the time he came before Jesus and Jesus said, someone will betray me here is the one I give this bread to. He sought the bread and he gave it to Judas. Thank God I'm not Judas. If I were Judas, you fall flat on your face and you say, master, do you know, I don't know you actually saw all I've been doing at the back. I'm sorry. And do you know that the one who could save a thief on the cross would have saved Judas? I was reading the scripture one day. I didn't know what, what went into my brain. I asked God one very foolish question. I read, I read, and I said, God, you said whosoever cometh unto you, you will not cast out. What about the devil? You could see now it was, it was a terrible question. Can you forgive him upon all he had done? But he met me at my level. He said, son, will he ever ask? Will he ever ask for forgiveness? Someone who knew he was wrong and he kept multiplying evil, will he ever ask for forgiveness? 
will he ever ask? So you, you lose your prime position and privileges. Number two, you become rebellious and a terrible example unto others. Isaiah 14, 12 to 16 was still talking about Lucifer. He was a terrible example. The Bible says he taught in his heart, I will exalt my throne above that of the Most High. And number three, when you displease the king, you can be isolated. Brethren, hear this very clearly. It is possible to be among the crowd and you are still lonely. Very, very. But it is possible to be married and be lonely. There is something in everyone. There is a thirst. The Bible calls it eternity. He said he has set eternity in man. That's why you would think that satisfaction is in houses. You built one, you are building another one, and yet you are not satisfied. Satisfaction, you might think, is in vehicles. You have bought several ones and you are yet to be satisfied. You might think it's in certificate. You might think it's in one thing or the other until you know that get all those things. There is still a void that no man can fill. Bible says all rivers flow into the sea and the sea is never full. You see, where, where the water comes from, that's where the water returns. There is a void that can only be filled by knowing him. How do I bring pleasure to the king? As I'm rounding up. Number one, desire to be intimate with him. Mark 3, 13 to 15. Desire to come very intimate with him. Number two, let the king be pleased with your attitude and your character. Let the king be pleased with your attitude and your character. Number three, let his concerns be your pursuit. So that you can constantly and consistently be obedient unto him. I want to show you something as I close in this story. Later, you can read it. The king wanted to take a new wife. Why the kings of the olden days wanted a virgin, I don't know. But it seems to be a tradition. You read the Bible, you, the first thing they will all ask for is that get us virgins. But the Bible says, despite those ladies were virgins, the king said, they must be prepared for 12 months before they will come and see the king. Ah, pause there. Sorry, who are you? <laughs> now I have, to, I have to go through training for 12 months before coming to see you. Now, if preparation was just to say, let them continue their lives, no. Two things were highlighted. Number one, is that they have to be subjected, you know, to massage. So that they can press away all the rubbish in their system. <laughs> For six months. Because you want to go and keep an appointment with somebody. Ah, I think it's good to be a king. Thank God we are royal priesthood. The other six months... He said, you will be washed so that you can saint very well. Ah, that's the one I underline. 
before the young ladies who qualify to come to the palace, wearing this, you know, smelling good, he said, no, not only that, you will need to sing very well. Let me try and bring it home for you. It is difficult for you as a man to spend some time at the Suya spot and you get home and you lie to your wife. Men, is that correct? Because even if you escorted somebody there, if you have a wife with good sense, you know, of smell, as you come in, something smells over you. And that's the suya. Why? The smell with the fire makes, you know, the saint to stay. Because of the fire and the smoke. This was the kind of purification those young ladies were to go through for six months. There are some colognes you wear and for about two weeks, you still pick that cloth. You still smell it there. How much more when you are soaked in it for six months? Hear this, friends. The king wants to smell you before he sees you. The aura of your presence. The king wants to know that when you enter from the gate, the king can say, my bride is coming. That's why some people pray long hours to attack some problems. And there are some with a greater anointing who get there. And before they wink their eyes, things change. That's why it is possible to be somebody who just sing. And there is another possibility of somebody who draws down the presence of God. When you, pleasing the king every now and then, he smells you afar. So the moment, you know, Paul and Silas were in the prison, and they said, if our hands and our feet were bound, our mouth was not bound. They started cooking praise unto God. The Bible says, God had them in heaven. And I could imagine what transpired there. God must have been feeling them and he was tapping his feet. And he called an angel, who are those guys? And he said, I, I, they must be enjoying me. He said, yes, sir, but they are in the prison. God said that they can praise like this. He said, I will not send you. I will go myself. How did I know God went by himself? Whenever the supernatural compresses into the natural, he gives an earthquake. The Lord who is awesome, who is great, who is mighty. He came into an empty cell, I mean a very tiny cell. And every doorpost had to give way. If you want to really, really deal with your enemies and you want to go through life, let every of your daily activity, let it please him. Let it please him. Please bow your heads and tell him, Father, I have come. To please you. For the rest of my life. Give me the grace. To please you. In my walk. In my talk. In my attitude. Help me to please you. Help me to please you. There's anybody in the house. You want to surrender your life to the Lord Jesus. Or you want to rededicate your life. To say Lord my life must be pleasing. I will request that you please. Lift up your right hand where you are. I want to pray with you. You want to say, Lord Jesus, let me please you. 
in my daily activity, let me please you. In all that I do, let me please you. Let me please you. Do we have any hand going up? And let's rise to our feet, each and every one of us. Let's lift up our two hands and tell him, Father, do with me as he pleases you. I am here for you. I am here for you. I am here for you. I want to please you for the rest of my life. I want to please you for the rest of my life. I want to please you for the rest of my life. Let my character, let my family life, let my business life, let my worship life. Lord, let it please you. Let it please you. Let it please you. Let it please you. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Why should I feel when I have you surrounded by your love, your everlasting love? Raise your voice and let him hear you sing. We believe you have been blessed by this message. To download this message, please visit our podcast at The Throne Room on your handheld device or computer. For any inquiries, call 08087-000004 or visit the Life Center at number 20 Colorado Close off Dame Street, Maitama Abuja. You can also visit our website, www.rccgthroneroom.org. You are highly lifted, highly favored. Thank you.